podcast one production. Are entrepreneurs born or made? Can you learn how to be one? Or is it a genetic disposition that only the chosen few possess? What makes a great entrepreneur? And what skill sets and mindsets do they need to be successful? Here's the thing. Anyone can become a successful entrepreneur, but there is a price to pay for that success. The question is, are you willing to pay that price? My name's Bernadette Schwert, and I'm the author of the best-selling books, How to Build an Online Business and Secrets of Online Entrepreneurs. In my books, I interview over 100 of Australia's top entrepreneurs about how they've built their online empires, the pitfalls and perils they faced along the way, what they did right, what they did wrong, and what they'd never do again. I want to share those learnings and insights with you so that you can unleash your inner entrepreneur and build the online business of your dreams. Believe me, it can be done, and there's never been a better time to do it. The secret of getting ahead is getting started. So let's get down to building your online business. Andre Eichmeier is the co-founder of the online wine retailer Vinomofo, and he knows a thing or two about being a startup online entrepreneur. After 12 years of running the business, he's stepping out as CEO, rolling the dice, and launching a new venture that promises to be even riskier than his first. In this episode, you'll get an insight into Andre's roller coaster journey, the entrepreneurial mindset, and what it takes to succeed as a startup. Andre, there's lots of versions of entrepreneurship, but what's your definition of entrepreneurship? Yeah, I've never put a lot of thought into defining this, but I think of it as someone that wants to do something uh, of their own making. And I know people then put a layer of, it needs to be global and big and aggressive and growth. And I guess there's layers of that, but I think you need to have um, self-belief. I used to call it unwavering self-belief, but I don't believe that exists because you doubt yourself all the time. But it has to be, call it a resilient or stubborn self-belief that you are the one for this and can do it um, despite all the setbacks and then balance with this brutal and humble self-awareness um, so that you can know that you're not backing yourself to do the wrong thing, you're backing yourself to do the right thing or the, you know, and you can change course, which is we can talk about as well. But, but those qualities that I think are essential for an entrepreneur and from there you can be introverted, extroverted, sales-driven, numbers-driven, a whole lot of things, right? shapes and sizes, but those are consistent qualities. I think it's anyone that wants to back themselves to do something for themselves without this safety or security of a salary or of somebody else having taken the risks prior. Do you think those qualities are qualities you're born with or are they truly something that they can be developed or a bit of both? It's interesting to talk about, right? So I believe people are born with different risk appetites and risk comforts, you know, and different levels of anxiety and different needs in themselves, different balance of, you know, this hierarchy of needs, right, between security, comfort, safety. If you value that over a creative drive that you might have or a need to uh, uh, be something or achieve something, I guess, 
then from that context of then I guess you're born with needs that are more suited to not risking everything and starting something on your own. So sure, you may still have the other qualities it takes to be an entrepreneur, but it's probably not going to be very fulfilling and it'll probably be really stressful. <laughs> you know, not worth it. So as an entrepreneur, what drives you? What keeps you going? You do start, well, I started out with a clear vision of something I wanted to build or to be in the world, right? And it was, you know, it wasn't, life was solving, you know, world hunger, but it was, you know, I wanted wine to be different. I wanted everyone to be, um, to feel more comfortable with wine and not feel discluded or, or, or like it was for the chosen educated elite. You know, I wanted, uh, wine to be more accessible for everybody as a, as a, as a product, as a thing. Cause I loved it. And I was just, you know, young person in, you know, sneakers and a T-shirt and occasional bad language. And, and I loved wine. I thought, well, I don't feel very included in wine in these grumpy old men, you know, in, in, in their, their bow ties and their, their language that is foreign to me. And, and so that was, that was definitely a driver. But what happened with me? We got, like, life's bigger than the one thing you do, right? When I started it, burning desire and probably the highest on my needs was to, to create something successful and aligned with something I wanted to happen, right, with purpose. But three years of financial stress and, you know, wife comes home from the supermarket with two small children having key card bounce for the 50th time and having to choose to put back the, the wash powder or the, the nappies. I mean, that changes your needs and suddenly your family security can start to outweigh that. So I think honestly had I had something great that would have been fulfilling enough to fall back on then I probably would have a couple of times. I know you're very big on culture and values and doing the right thing in business and I'm just comparing that to say Steve Jobs or any one of those well-known entrepreneurs who are renowned for being hard taskmasters, slightly sociopathic, you know, in their drive to for perfection at the cost of the relationship. What are your thoughts on needing to be unreasonable to get things done? Huh. See, you probably find a few people in VNMOFO who would t call me like uh, unrelenting and perfectionist and can never be, um, you know, nothing is ever good enough for, you know, because um, I, I am actually a product and user experience, customer experience perfectionist and I'm obsessed with that. So that's hard for people. So, but I, but I, I hope I wasn't an asshole. <laughs> I don't think I am. But um, but I think you need a quality. It has to be high performance and it has to demand the best of people and it has to attract people that want that because otherwise you have people seeking comfort and that's cruising and that's a non-growth mindset. So I think um, there is a consistency in that. You don't have to be an asshole about it. And, you know, there are, what motivates people isn't always a whip or pressure, or relentless tasks, you know, or drive. But I, I think, um, you know, we succeeded largely because we were, um, we were tireless and worked harder. Now, you know, obviously we had some smart ideas and solved some problems in a different way, but we still pushed ourselves and our team to work hard, and, um, and I think that's vital. I think you can be um, a good person, and be a successful entrepreneur. I think you can care about the people within you and you can be human about it and you can value their lives uh, alongside of what they contribute to the company. Um, I think you can and must 
be good to and provide a good experience and, and, and inspire your customers to be a successful company now. Funny enough, people criticise Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos, for that matter, for the cultures they create because they're brutal by all reports. Um, and even Google. I mean, you talk to um, Google HR people, you know, um, these are brutal cultures, like all the the fun, you know, electric bikes around campus aren't the true story. Ne- they never are the true story. But they lift people to more than what they thought they were capable of. And that's not always pleasant. But I think it's necessary to, to, to reach the level that these companies reach, you know. Um, and hopefully if it's done in the right way, that helps somebody grow rather than crushes them. So looking back, and you're enormously successful in what you've achieved, I'm wondering what sacrifices you think you've paid along the way for that success? <sighs> definitely um, definitely difficult to not look back on the 20 years of trying to make something work and, and the particularly difficult four years before VinoMofo started showing any signs of, before it was VinoMofo, but when Justin and I were still in business. Difficult not to look back on that and feel the weight of what that stress was. Difficult not to look back on the father that I was carrying the stress and the lack of, the the damage to my sense of self, that that lack of success and the stresses of putting your your family through that financial pressure. Uh, difficult to look upon all of that and not feel like that has cost me and the people around me. Um, definitely has. But, you know, I also look at the 120 people that work for Inamofa and all the people that have benefited in their small way. It's just wine, Jesus. But, you know, um, from that and, and what I've learned. So the cost is the stress and fear of what you might lose and the lack of security and the lack of being able to exhale for quite a few years. That's costly, but I chose it. But definitely have achieved a certain level of, okay, there's a scale, it's not going to fall over tomorrow, there's a bunch of people we employ and a bunch of people that we give a service to. And I feel some sense of satisfaction from that. And that's great, but I get the luxury of answering that question Mm. having exhaled and emerged somewhat from that pressure boiler that I was in. Well, I remember uh, talking to other entrepreneurs who are at the beginning of their journey. And when I asked them about this question, they say, I feel like I'm missing out because other people have got money and I don't. They can buy a car and a house and they can have nice experiences. I can't. So they're really feeling that pressure of not being able to enjoy life because they're putting everything they've got into the business. But you're at that position now where that's not a major driver for you. So on the upside, what's been good about the journey? What's been, you know, uh, something that you've got that you didn't expect? I'll tell you what, I've certainly got this self-doubt off my back that was based around, gosh, you're smart and driven, Andre, and creative. Why have you failed at everything you've done in your life? Like from a a business perspective, um, I've got this, no, I can do this. I've had an amazing adventure with Vino Mofo specifically. Um, I've had the freedom to create something and I've been able to shape something in the way I want it to be shaped, not always because you then have different, you know, you've got a lot of pressures with when you're a bigger company, getting everybody on board with your vision and and pure with the values, that's hard. What 
missteps or mistakes? And I know people reject the concept of there being a mistake because everything's a learning experience. Oh, no, I, I uh, believe being in mistakes okay. and i got regrets. <laughs> Don't uh, worry about that. I want to hear what, what you would have done differently from an entrepreneurial business building point of view. So there are a few strategic things that we would have done differently along the way, but I think they're less important than what's probably cost me and then by by virtue of the company, had I believed wholeheartedly in the instincts that I had from uh, culturally and uh, what's important in the business and brand-wise and, 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 and really put those at the forefront of importance, I think I would have made fewer mistakes by our customers and by our team and, and with our culture along the way. Yeah, I think I've learned to trust my instincts with culture. And when you're trying to grow and you're trying to learn from other things and you've got an instinct that doesn't necessarily fit with the, with the pervading thinking of the time or, or it sits in conflict with what somebody else is saying, this is what it takes to be a successful company, it's hard to back yourself when you haven't had runs on the board. And I, but I think in where I'm at now and looking back, I, I realised that my instincts were, were good. Oh, there's plenty of, plenty of things that I've got qualities in me that have made it harder, but those things in particular I think... Um, I would have backed. You mentioned like just a moment ago about starting a company with six or eight people and doing something amazing. So what is your version of success? Yeah, well, see, this is why I probably don't like the word, right? Um, I think it used to be it was revenue benchmarks, right? It used to be, ah, oh, when you're a $10 million company, you're successful if you're profitable. It used to be, you know, or even if you're not profitable, as long as you're... Um, and then, and then it was, oh, if you're such and such number of people, then you're successful. But not really because it's noble to employ so many people, just this concept of scale was a measure of success. And I think to a degree, it, it shows a sense of, okay, you've, of, it's, a, it's an acknowledgement of growth. But I think, um, I think now I more feel that if you are fulfilling the purpose for, for which you created the endeavour, the company, the startup, and you are able to sustain the business in, in line with what your ambitions were. I think that's success. So, you know, I could be so happy starting a wine bar. And if it was a cool wine bar that people loved and it had the atmosphere, I'm not starting a wine bar, but <laughs> but I, 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 I'd, I'd consider that great success because it's something I'd be passionate about. It's, uh, I love wine bars and I, when I'm in a wine bar that someone's created, that's like awesome, you know, then, then I'm like, wow, this is an amazing place. Now that's not, that's doubtful. That's a $10 million wine bar and they certainly aren't employing a hundred people. So it's a different measure. So I think it's if you create the thing that you set out to create. Andre, what you're talking about seems to be about the why and the importance of knowing why you're in business and you've achieved that. You've also achieved the financial success. Someone starting out, do they need to have the why sorted out or is just going for the money sufficient? Money is probably directly attached to this concept of I just need to be successful, which is probably attached to reputation and fame. So you lump that in, but financially leading as most people's definition. I think people going, I want to start a business, I want to be successful. Yes, same. I wanted that as well. But why the thing that you're choosing? You know what I mean? That is how you get to someone's purpose and their connection to what they're building. So it's almost like, yes, 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 we take for granted. You want to be successful, make lots of money. But why choose this? 
Why wine? And then they can go, oh, or why do you want to build a, a software platform that does this? Or why did you want? I think that's when you get to, oh, because I'm really passionate about, or I saw an opportunity that wasn't there and I want it. That's when it's easy. You almost got to do like, there are precious few people and God, they're admirable that bypass the, I wanted just to create something successful or I wanted to be successful in myself or I wanted to build something that could accumulate lots of personal wealth and value. Sure. But it, if that's all that there is, you're probably never going to be successful because it's a, it's an unfulfilling goal. And I think very few people, if they're honest with themselves, that had a financial number as a goal would express to you their happiness and fulfillment upon hitting that. Now, sure, it's nice to have 20 million bucks, I imagine. I hope to have that one day for my kids and so I can create a bit of security for some generations of little like Myers to come, right? But but I doubt if that's just for me and, and is there. I doubt that what you can do with that money, although it's wonderful lifestyle, I doubt it's enough. How soon should people recognise that, do you think, in their entrepreneurial journey? Uh, the glib answer is before you become an asshole. But um, I think today in this world where people are demanding of companies and brands that they're interacting with, buying from, transacting with services they're using. They're demanding a bit more. I think they want to feel an affinity with that company's values, um, with the way they go about things. They want to be treated right. They have a plethora of choices and transparency into what's behind companies. Look at what's happening with the banks. Look at what's happening with Uber. Look what's happening... Um, with Facebook even in the light of privacy, uh, without even any judgment on, on the way they go about things, people are choosing not to engage and transact with these things. It is creating room for disruption by companies and startups that are promising to do the right thing in response. I think, therefore, that is a need. I don't think people are interested. In, in fact, I don't think people are going to, in the very near future, uh, attract and retain customers off the back of we're just successful financially. But does every company need to have a lofty purpose and a desire to, to fulfil their values or is it really just enough just to want to make some money? I think it, it doesn't need to be like, every, not everybody needs to save the world, right? But I think you need to, even if it's some geeky passion you have for this tiny, quirky niche thing, that's enough. You just need to connect with what you're doing, you need to be driven to want to do it beyond just I want to make lots of money. Um, and look, I wonder how many now, but there are certainly in the last 20, 30 years still businesses that have succeeded greatly because they've seen a fantastic gap in a market and they've smartly executed on it and it's been very profitable and they've made lots of money. But I wonder the fulfilment of that and I wonder the, I wonder the place that that has in the world. It's not needed. You know what I mean? And if it was needed, they probably accidentally solved something and, and, and weren't connected to it. But how unfulfilling. And I think today it'll be harder and harder to do that. But also, what's your purpose of doing something? What's your purpose of being on this freaking planet? You know what I mean? What is the key to happiness? Come on, you've got to ask yourself those questions. Look, if money is the means to achieve something you want in your life, it's perfectly fine if somebody's like, I just want to be able to travel without success or I just want a yacht because that's what I'm passionate about. Well, then there's your driver. But your driver is I want to own a yacht. Now, you know, no, also not so much connected with your business, sadly, 
But um, so I suggest you're going to get there by being passionately connected with the thing that's going to get you the yacht. I'm Bernadette Schwert, and this is How to Build an Online Business. More after the break. So what about someone listening who's thinking, I've got this great idea, I've seen a gap in the market, I'm not that passionate about that topic, but I can see the potential for growth and income. Is that sufficient, do you think, to, to invest time and money into building that idea or should they just wait until something else comes along that does meet all their needs? Really good question. I, here's what I would put to you, if that's you and you're listening to this. Have a crack. Nothing is going to be smooth and easy and just this amazing growth curve, right? So what's going to sustain you in the moments when it gets really hard? Um, you know, are you going to go, you know what, my main purpose is just to make lots of money here, so surely there's an easier way. I'm going to switch to that thing. And how many times do you then switch to that thing before you realise something needed to get you through these hard bits? And I put it to you that that's going to be your connection to the purpose and its connection to your soul and, and you and your, what is ultimately going to make you happy as a human you saying this now at this juncture in your journey, you, you have the luxury of hindsight to be able to say to people, you know, if I had this time again, I would do this differently. I would definitely have sort of, look, we just better defined it and finessed the purpose, right? Yeah. We had a driving purpose in the beginning and that, that, was, that, was, that got us through hard times. Not only got us through hard times, it kept us focused when we needed to change everything. It kept us focused on the thing that we stood for. And therefore it kept consistency with this tribe that we attracted that felt the same way and cared about that, you know. Um, and that's important. That's the consistency. Your product may need to change to succeed because you're like, eh, this is not profitable or this is actually not what people need. But people are relating to why I'm doing this and people are relating to the purpose and the, and the driver behind this and, and what we stand for. You're stepping out as CEO of the company and you are moving into uh, another entrepreneurial venture that's very important to you that really uh, taps into what we've just been discussing, which is values and culture. Can you tell us what's going on for you? Yeah, yeah, I can. It's funny, right? So you're sort of like after many failures and having built up Vinamofo to not fail, (laughs) now I'm about to step into the startup beginning world again and I guess open myself up to the opportunity to fail, open myself up to needing to rebuild the the financial, you know, returns of, of a company and afford to to hire my first person again. And it's really weird for me because it's new and it's exciting. But I guess that's off the back of um, doing a lot of speaking and, and a lot of uh, mentoring and I guess that has been in the area of Helping people identify the importance of what you stand for and, and, and purpose and and this idea of um, doing the right thing as in business and, and seeing a shift in business, you know, away from it existing to provide value to shareholders, which is the old school ever since the Industrial Revolution, you know, thinking behind business, to being businesses existing and their purpose, their, their, their very existence being to provide value to customers, to people and to employees and to suppliers in this ecosystem and this world, right? 
lives that we that we live in, and I think that's definitely happening. And and I believe that in this social world and this world of transparency that has come out of the way we communicate now and what we demand, and it, it, it is that we have to do the right thing to earn our place as a business in this world and to earn customers. We have to do this, the right thing by customers, people. I don't even like the word customers. By people. Um, and do the right thing by the people that work for us and choose to give their lives to help uh, towards our vision. Um, people that buy stuff from us and the buy that sell the people that sell stuff to us. And I, I think that's those things have become really important to me. And um, and so I've started a culture and brand and tribe transformation agency called Cult Tribal to be able to. Um, not just help businesses do that, but hold businesses accountable. And I, that's what interests me. So that's what I'm doing now. But, you know, it's me in a co-working space, building up the revenue. I know who my first three employees are going to be, but I'm not employing them until I've got the revenue to do it. And also have, um, you know, my kids are teenagers now. My son's going to high school next year. Um, uh, separated and I live in two cities and I've got three homes to support. Like it's, I can't do it in a garage with my brother-in-law again, you know, eating ramen noodles and, and, and putting my family through financial stress. So I am a bit smarter now, you know, and I have a bit more experience, a bit more reputation. So I'm able to think of it that way, but it's back in the trenches and it's kind of cool. I've taught myself WordPress. I'm <laughs> not kidding. I designed my own logo the other day because my designer who was going to do it is too, couldn't do it till October. I was like, well, I need it now. I sort of, I'm having to go back and do the thing. So seriously, if you're listening to this going, oh yeah, nice for you with your 120 people and your $100 million company. No, that's helping me through reputation now and it's helping me through the lessons I've learned as much through what I've done wrong as what I've done right. But, you know, I'm starting again. I'm having the same sense of self-doubt, which I haven't had for a while, you know, because I'm going, is anyone going to believe that I can really transform their business in that way? What if I fail to transform a company and I've charged them lots of money and they're, they're not, you know, but, you know, we all, God, we all doubt not just is this thing that I'm doing going to be of value enough for people to pay the right amount of money for it? We doubt, can I pull this off? And I've still got a bit of that, not as much as I've had in the past, but you asked earlier, what are the qualities of an entrepreneur that they need? I, I have always liked doing all the things. I love now that I, you know, setting up my own zero accounts. And I love that in one given day, I'm back to, from design to going and hustling to get some new clients and meeting with them to designing a product out that I want to do to setting up a company structure to writing my own manifesto with my own values belief I I really I, I find that really cool and really exciting so in terms of this new business and can you just tell us what it's called again yeah it's called cult tribal so cult because of culture and I believe that's where everything has to start every transformation and tribal because it's a mindset attached uh, tribes and Seth Godin is wonderfully defined and gone deep into this. But a tribe being a group of people that are connected not just through transacting with something but connected together around a common interest or cause or passion, you know, and I think that's what you want to be as a brand today. You want to incite that almost, you know, that that cult-like 
fervour of engagement and, and a sense of belonging and a sense of togetherness and community. I think that's what we have tried to do and succeeded to some degree with VinoMofo and that is what I believe great companies and great brands do. I want to just challenge you a bit because not everyone can make cool, exciting products that have a purpose or do good. And I remember um, talking to a chap who was like an account manager and they sold um, nails. And he said, and I was saying to him, you, you know, you should be blogging about nails because you want to build your personal brand. And he said, I couldn't care less about nails. I don't care about nails. It's a job. So what do you say to people who say, as an employee, I don't care about the product. I just work here. How do you build a tribe? How do you build that excitement and fervour for people who don't really care about the product they're selling because it's not cool or sexy? Yeah, the product doesn't have to be cool or sexy, but the culture you create around it, what you stand for as a company that provides that product and service. This is exactly the point. It, the, it, it's about the way you go about things. And that's what you can do. And there are lots of great examples. Read a little book. It takes... It's an hour-long read called Fish. It's a great little story. It's a fiction story, but it tells the story of exactly how to, as a group of people, find purpose in what you do, even if it's like, you know, um, debt collection or, or something, you know. Um, but you still creating purpose in, in, in the way you go about things and, the, and, and, and the, this entity that you're creating, that is its own group of people and its own tribe of people. If you go about things in the right way, you can create a great company that is renowned doing things in an extraordinary way by creating uh, an environment that is awesome and by um, having uh, noteworthy integrity behind the way you work with your retailers or whatever that buy the nails. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not restricted to people that, you know, have a wine company that's called Wine Mofo. You know, like you, you, it's, it's, it's more about integrity and connection to, to wanting to do something great in a great way. So, Andre, 12 years building Venomofo, now cult tribal. You've had that perspective. What's different this time around? How are you going to do things differently? Or how do you see things differently? Yeah, how's that? I think probably the most significant difference is that I'm not starting this with a financial goal. I mean, I want to make good money out of it, obviously, but I'm not saying I want to be a $100 million company or a billion dollar company with it. It's much more related to the, my measure of success is, is attached to the impact that I can have on people and the world through this company. And, um, and that is not only more authentically connected to what a driver in me is now at this stage of my life, but it's, um, it's exciting the hell out of me to be uncompromising in the pursuit of that now and it feels like the right time to do that. I wish you all the very best. Yeah, me too. <laughs> in talking to Andre, it seems that success does have a price, but in most cases, it's worth it. And as we can see, it's not what happens, it's who you become in the process. How to Build an Online Business was produced by Dave Swalensky. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Executive producer is Grant Tothill. Recorded in the Podcast One Studios, Australia. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app, or look us up on Apple Podcasts. 